you get the hotel? No. The phone's dead. You hear that, Petus? The phone is dead. Even the phone is dead. Welcome to the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast. Tonight we're talking about the 1934 classic, The Black Cat, starring Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff. If you haven't listened before, the premise of this podcast is that I, Matt, watch a horror movie with my friend Andrew and we talk about it. The Black Cat is my favorite 30s horror movie and I was disappointed that Andrew wasn't as enthusiastic as I am about it. Give our episode a listen and you'll see what I mean. So this one's The Black Cat. The Black Cat is uh, a 1934 movie starring Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff, directed by the notable cult director Edgar G. Ulmer. Wait, that, that name sounds familiar, actually. Uh, he directed, what's it called? It's like a noir-type movie called Detour. That's what it was called. All right. And um, Oh, he worked on M and Metropolis. He did, but that was, that's, well, that's... Possibly, possibly. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's unfounded. That's I actually got the impression it wasn't true from somewhere. I don't know, but I could have just been what I was reading. Um, so I, I really like the Black Cat. The Black Cat is definitely probably the best of the three. Um, it's for once Lugosi is actually not the villain. Um, so the movie follows uh, two honeymooners on a hunger on a honeymoon in Hungary, of all places. Yeah. They're taking the Orient Express. Um, I think. I just assumed it was the Orient Express. And uh, they end up meeting with uh, Bela Lugosi playing Dr. Vitas Verdegast, who's a psychiatrist just getting out of prison. Uh, there's a great scene where uh, everyone falls asleep, and then uh, Bela Lugosi's like smelling the woman's hair. Okay. The husband, the husband yep. wakes up, and uh, Bela Lugosi's like, You will just indulge me. Or something like this, like brushes him off. Like, this yeah, is, he's like, I'm fine. <laughs> Everything's normal. Normal behavior. This is how we do things hungry. I'm just smelling this woman's hair or whatever. She reminds me of my dead wife. So he's traveling to, to get revenge on an old enemy, an architect named Pulzig, who is played by Boris Karloff. Uh, they somehow crash. All three of them, the honeymooners and, and Lugosi, playing Vertigast, end up on a bus, and that bus crashes, which for some reason is very close to uh, Polzig's home, which is built on the ruins of uh, an old fort. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Polzig, uh, an architect, has built a weird, bleak, modernist mansion compound on the ruins of the fort. Uh, and then the movie pretty much just veers into crazy town at that point. Yeah. Yeah. There's a uh, uh, Vertigast kills Polzig's cat. Really? You know, He's scared of cats. He's he's got incredible cat phobia. With like an incredible knife throw. Yeah. He, Polzig has kept his dead wife uh, embalmed in a glass case. Was it just his dead wife? I feel like there's a lot of dead people. Yeah, I I only remember his his wife being in the cage, but I'm sure there was... Oh no, the the Wikipedia says Polzig keeps dead woman on display in glass cases. Yeah. Okay, so... Because there were definitely definitely, multiple in multiple locations. It's it's pretty pretty apparent pretty quickly that Polzig is in this situation the aforementioned slightly foreign gentleman who's got an eye for a 
the American Lady. Although it might still be Lugosi. Yep. Yeah. They're both ambiguous. Uh, uh, and, well, no. Lugosi is an ambiguous character, anyway. No, Karloff is pretty to the point. Yeah, Karloff is pretty much on point evil. He's just like constantly sitting in a chair and brooding and staring at people. Yeah. There's, basically, this movie has, has everything. It has like a, has a chess match between Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi. For, for life. For life. The stakes are, the stakes are life and death. Uh, Polzig, played by Karloff, is a Satanist. And there's a black mass during the dark of the moon where he plans, where, he's, where he attempts to sacrifice the American honeymoon, honeymooner woman. Yes. Um, the score is, is great. It's music by, I believe, a Hungarian composer, Liszt, Franz Liszt. It's Hans Romheld. He's an American composer. Yeah. Well, it's the music of Liszt. Oh. He uh, he compiled it, or at least some of the songs. At least, at least I, I remember there being a Liszt song on it. The movie doesn't have, really have anything to do with the a girl in post story. I can't. There was a black cat at one yep, point, but I'm pretty sure. They were on the poster, he just, there's this guy keep killing a cat, and then the cat comes back, and it's all... I remember he pops the cat's eye out. I mean, that cat's eye could have come out. It didn't really show it. Yeah. Um, and he did have another cat later, so the cat came back. Yeah, well, he just got a... He has a deathless spirit cat that just floats around with him. That's what it is. It's a deathless spirit cat. Yeah, so, I mean, the cat was there. Suggested by the Edgar Allan Poe story. Yep. There's weird stuff involving Vertigast's daughter. Apparently... Oh. Polzig had first seduced Vertigast's wife after he betrayed him and got him sent to the uh, prison camp. He stole his wife, and then his wife died, and he then married Vertigast's daughter, so his stepdaughter. Yes. Who he then kills later yeah. in the movie. Kills a lot of people. Yep. And uh, Vertigast goes over the edge at that point. There's, a, there's a, some fisticuffs between Carla from Lugosi and that, uh, and that other guy. The, uh, the honeymooner man. Nope. Yeah. No. no, he's not that part. The, uh, yeah, the, the tall, uh, like the, the servant. Yeah. The servant who's, who's pretending to be Polzig's servant or something, but then ends up really working for Vertigast. Well, he was Vertigast's servant and then he feel it. Then he lost in the Polzag and then he got it back or I don't know. Yeah. Well, it was, it was a blind the whole time because he was another victim of Polzig's betrayal yeah. during the war. And then there's the, the classic scene where, Lugosi flays Boris Karloff. Yes. Particularly gruesome. Yeah, he doesn't have a very big tool for that flaying either. I feel like he has like a tiny little knife. Well, he's a psychiatrist. He's sure he's intimately familiar with the human skin. <laughs> yes. <Or epidermis. laughs> As are all psychiatrists. They're, they're skin doctors, basically. That's mm-hmm. what they used to be before they started studying the mind. So this one, while it, I think it follows, you know, the very, their cut and paste formula that all of them do. Mm-hmm. The stuff he puts inside of it is more interesting than the rest of them. Like what in particular? Just I I think the atmosphere is better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's very yeah. It's a great it's a great atmosphere. This film they benefit by having two actors instead of one. Yeah, you yeah. As as we've discussed before, a lot of time the uh, the supporting actors in these movies are not particularly interesting to watch. No, they're just kind of like for all I know, they could be the same people because it's all. Both of the couple always has the same haircut anyway. So if you told me all those actors were the same two people, I would believe you. Actually, I like David Manners in this movie. He's in a bunch of these movies, and he's usually pretty bad. But he's okay in this movie, actually. Uh, he plays the male honeymoon. Yes. Uh, he's, I believe he played, I believe, 
I should just look it up because I got whatever. I think he plays um, Jonathan Harker and the equivalent in the Mummy. Yeah, he's in. He was Jonathan Harker, and he was in the Mummy. And he in both, and especially in Dracula, he's pretty bad. Like he's super wooden, but he's pretty. I think by this point, he had got a little bit better at acting. Oh yeah, he was like like twenty five movies in at this point. <laughs> yeah, so it's been three years. He's probably done. You know, movie a week. Yeah. Wow, that was like four years. Like four years. Yeah, they really cranked these out. <laughs> yeah, they did. Actors are, actors are keeping busy. Well, yeah, I imagine they made less money comparatively, even even adjusted for inflation per movie, because you know the profits obviously weren't yeah. as astronomical. Also, Hollywood hadn't really figured out fighting at this point. It seems. Yeah, they just like they well, there was like a real person fight where it was just like people like groping at each other for a few yeah, months. and like falling on the ground and kind of so. Yeah, you really just try to choke the other person and put your thumbs in their eyes and stuff instead of uh, fancy karate moves like they do today. Or, but it's also like kind of like a very like static shot for the most part. Oh yeah, you mean it isn't filmed in a way that uh, it's exciting. It's, it's confusing. Yeah, it's kind of just very simple. Like, oh, uh, it's usually one person like holding his arm straight out in that choking motion <laughs> and going for the other guy, and then they sometimes they fall down, sometimes they don't. I like the faces they make though when they're being choked. The wild faces, wild eyes. Yeah, well, they're being choked. They don't want that to happen to them. They're acting. Yeah, this this movie. Um, Although it's actually fairly late into the, it's fairly late into the the art trajectory of horror movies uh, in the thirties. I guess only it's only nineteen thirty four, but it, it's sort of considering that there's like three years where there's almost no horror movies that are worth talking about uh, in between nineteen thirty five and nineteen thirty nine, and thirty eight, nineteen thirty nine. Like this is kind of at the end at the end point, you know. But it feels it feels like an older movie because it's very um, it's very expressionist. In the sense that um, it does not feel like it's taking place in reality. Oh yeah, it's often this weird foreign land. There's yeah. the only act, the only people present are like the actors, where it's usually like a whole cr- crowd. It's more of a spectacle, like yeah, like with the monkey and the gorilla, and people are, like pointing, "Oh look!" and then they're screaming, and then the guy climbing up, and that poor guy in the monkey costume having a hard time climbing up that roof. <laughs> it's another movie that uh, feels very pre-code. Yeah, because, you know, there's a satanic ritual. Yep, satanic ritual, there's flaying, there's like, um, I don't know, I guess you should call them incest, themes of incest, yeah. or something, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how they, what their thoughts were on that were back then, in terms of in-laws. Yeah, I don't think it's changed, I don't think uh, anything's changed significantly since 1934. <laughs> at least at least in the, like, metropolitan areas, I think, the, I think our cultural wars were already well set. Yeah, that's a little weird. So this is the first movie that Boris Karloff and, Bla- and uh, Bela Lugosi were in together. Oh, you mean it's the first movie that Bela Lugosi got to be in, in with, or in with with Boris Karloff? Yeah, <laughs> I suppose. You well, it is, yeah. At this point, Karloff, of course, billed only as Karloff. Yes, which I think is pretty hilarious and great, and huge letters too. Yeah, like Karloff was bigger than entirety of Bela Lugosi. It's too bad because Lugosi. I mean, they're they're very different actors. Yeah. That's, that's, that's notable to mention is that um, Karloff is, you know, not always, but a lot of times prefigures like the things that happens in later happen in later decades. You know, like he he's not as over the top as Lugosi is. No, Lugosi likes to choose scenery a lot. Yeah, yeah. Karloff it, it, was more resigned. Yeah, Karl. I mean, Karloff came to prominence playing Frankenstein, and he did. You know, he he injects a surprising amount of um, sympathy to that character, given he can't really talk for most of the 
three movies that he's in. Well, he acts more with his face a lot. Yeah, and not necessarily the words coming out of it. Yeah, and he doesn't. He doesn't like you said. Like you said, he doesn't choose scenery like someone like Lugosi does. I, Lugosi leans really heavily on the fact that he sounds like a weirdo and that he's like, foreign. Yeah, basically. He, I mean, he he leans on his like his 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 man his. What I feel like it was probably his manners in real life. You know, that he acted like this this um, foreign gentleman. That he acted like some visiting count. Really, like I think I think that's how he probably acted when he came to Hollywood, and I think that's probably how he acts in most of his movies. Just variations on that. And that's why he got stuck doing all those things constantly. Yeah. yeah I mean, and typecasting. Yeah. There were our movies. There, I'm sure there were movies where that could have used like a foreign gentleman that it wasn't necessarily a strangler or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, what if what if they just took that foreign gentleman, put him in like a cape, and made him kind of creepy? <laughs> well, there you go. Which is seen what they preferred to do. Yeah, they definitely preferred to do. They preferred to someone be menaced. They preferred to have a woman menaced and by a foreigner. In this case, there were two of them. Although one was like weird and out of it constantly, like maybe drugged a little. Who do you think Polzig was drugged? No, like Karen, his daughter. Oh yeah. Oh, that there's two women being 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 menaced and two yeah. swarthy foreigners. Mixing and matching. I really like this movie. That's all I'm saying about that. I'd say it's probably the best one I've seen so far. But after watching so many more, I'm far more interested now in Dracula's Daughter as a conceptual film. So that is now my favorite in my mind. Just because of the, the, if you write the plot summary out on paper. If I write the plot summary out on paper, it sounds way more exciting to me. Yeah, there's, yeah, uh, there's a lot of um, mispotential in Dracula's Daughter. I think we covered that pretty thoroughly, how it sounded. Whereas this kind of nails everything it looks to nail. Yeah, it does. It puts two creepy guys alone in the castle, and they kind of do messed up stuff to each other. Like, pretty messed up stuff, pretty really messed up stuff to each other. Like, drugging and, like, basically kidnapping his wife and daughter, and then at the end, flaying him alive. Yep. This is, I say, true horror movie. People doing horrific, not, like, monkeys climbing on buildings. Nope. It's not, it's not a monster movie. It's a horror movie. Yeah. Unless unless you count man as the real monster. Well, we, I mean, we always do, but... Truly, we are the, we are all the black cat. Yep. The black cat, which is the actual monster this movie. It looks really menacing on the poster. It does actually. I'm looking at the poster on the Wikipedia entry, and, and it, it, to me, like Belagosi looks like Dracula in this picture. Like they, like they drew him as Dracula. Is this the one where they play the piano? Where I could have sworn they played a song that, if not from Dracula, reminds me heavily of Dracula. Did they play the piano in this one? It was this one or the Raven, I think, or maybe awesome. it was the other one. Maybe it was the Rue Morgue. One of them. They played a song that made me definitely think of Dracula. Was it? Well, there's the Swan Lake. Because Dracula only has the one song. Okay, so I must be thinking of Swan Lake. Yeah, I mean, it might remind you. Of, it might remind you of Dracula, but I, I didn't think you had seen Dracula. I hadn't, but it's still like in the culture. We're, I'm using actually using like a dubstep version of Swan Lake as the theme song for the podcast. Oh, well, like a big drop in it. Yeah. How, how big is the drop? Oh, it's, it's huge. Okay. All right. I guess that covers Black Cat. Yeah, it was Swan Lake. Were you listening to it? Yeah, I, I just listened to a little bit, of, like a little bit of it, just to make sure that that's what it was. Okay. Oh, maybe I know. Maybe I think of it because of Ed Wood. Was that in Ed Wood? Yeah, I, I guess I don't remember Ed Wood. That I, I think I've seen Ed Wood like four or five times actually. They, I think they feature it like heavily in reference to Lugosi, or maybe they watched Dracula at some point, and that's in it. Thanks for listening to the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast. Be sure to visit our website, GoldenAgeHorror.com. 
for show notes, social media stuff, mailing lists, and more. Tune in next week. We're going to talk about a different Lugosi-Karloff joint, The Raven. 